dig right into stuff here this morning and because uh, time is quickly fading away. And uh, this morning I want to talk about partner, the fact that partnership with God requires investment. Uh, a couple weeks ago on Thanksgiving Sunday, uh, I talked about the responsibility of partnership with God and how you know, partnership with God is taking responsibility. Today I want to talk about that second point, partnership with God requires investment, investment. And uh, you remember I had these three points, partnership with God is taking responsibility, requires investment, and partnership with God is the most rewarding way to live. We'll get to that at the end of the month uh, in, in November. But this morning, I want to talk about that second point right there. Partnership with God requires investment. It requires investment. And uh, I'm going to just really just, this was a couple weeks ago, and we don't have time to go through this this morning, so I'm just going to whip right past it. And uh, this was all about the, the tithing message. Did, did anybody, did you benefit from seeing that illustrated the way we did it uh, uh, up there? And, uh, you know, we, uh, for me, that, that illustration really helps, you know, me see what tithing looks like, what it, what it is to take that and to give it to the Lord and what it looks like when, when we don't tithe, when we hold back, when we withhold what that looks like. And, uh, and it's had impact on people. And uh, we need to understand that that financial responsibility is the tithe. And God has a plan, and when it's followed, the church thrives. When we follow his plan, the church thrives. When we don't, the church dies. And you can find uh, churches and communities of faith all over the North America that are closing up. And one of the first things that went was they walked away from God's principles. I remember my wife talking to a lady who was part of a, uh, a little church over in the county, and, and she was always doing bake sales and all kinds of stuff, trying to raise money to keep the church afloat. And she said, how did you guys buy a building and do all those things that you do, uh, you know, with, with so many young families and, and, you know, they're not retired and, and maybe with lots of money or something like that? And Sherry said, well, we just, you know, teach tithing. And, and the lady looked at her and said, oh, what's that? So you see these principles are gone long before the, uh, many of the other fruits uh, that are there in, in the kingdom. And when the principles get eroded, then it's very difficult to keep the church alive. Today, um, since tithing has made an impact in many people's lives, not just my wife and I or the elders or whatever, but, you know, people that, that you know, have come into the church and, and found the Lord, and one of those couples is, is Ryan and Christy Conroy. And Christy, several months ago now, sent me her testimony uh, of tithing and how it impacted her life. And I was like, wow, Christy, that's, that's remarkable. You need to share that sometime. And, uh, and I thought this morning, just to kind of reinforce what we talked about on Thanksgiving, uh, I wanted her to come and share her story. So would you welcome Christy as she comes this morning to share her story? And Sheldon, at one point in here, I, I've got a quick little video that's on the next slide that'll be playing. So, Oh, sorry. She might need this. There you go. No, no, we'd like them to hear you. <laughs> I don't think I can talk loud enough to reach all the way to the back. Um, yeah, as Kevin said, I had this message just come on my heart. Um, sometimes just when you're alone, you um, start to hear God's voice. And there's been a couple of things going on in my life. We had the walk yesterday. So that was probably almost two years in progress trying to get that to come about. So um, with financial responsibility to do something like that in the community as well as in our own hearts, God just laid this on my heart and just want to share it with you today. So he said, it's so much easier to spend money on something or save for something when it's for something we really want. You ever notice that? 
Or if we crunch the numbers to make it happen because we can justify the reality of making it happen without any risk or cost. We see the money adding up on paper and wash our hands of it thinking that it's a done deal. We see something we want and magically have the funds for it. When a week or so ago, we were really unsure if tithing could fit into the budget or we were overwhelmed by debt and couldn't see the finish line of being debt-free in sight. I was like that for years with tithing. I didn't see the tangible fruit of my investment, so I justified that debt repayment was also biblical because we were not supposed to be slaves to money. But for some reason, when I paid my debt with tithe money, I never got any further ahead. My husband could, though. This is one of those moments in our relationship where you were right, dear. So so one day, when there was a ministry or message on tithing, the Lord spoke to me, and after another conversation with my husband, we decided to commit fully to tithing. And then we started seeing the fruits. We didn't miss the money at all. It's the first thing I pay through push pay when our paycheck comes in. And now I see that when I didn't tithe, I didn't see the fruits of the money either. To this day, I couldn't tell you where the money went, but I can tell you how I felt when I missed a few weeks at Desert Stream. And I can say with full confidence that whatever risk we felt there would be to our family by tithing is way less than the risk of not having Desert Stream. Now, by by biblical perspective, my biblical perspective looks more like the saying, any good housewife knows that the first check you make is for the mortgage, but the second is for the insurance. Well, I believe that the kingdom thinking, I believe that in kingdom thinking, everything we have belongs to God. So he owns the mortgage on our lives and possessions. So he gets paid first. Then the rest is for the insurance on how we choose to steward and safeguard what he has trusted us with. When I took on the perspective, thank you. When I took on the perspective, I could feel him say, My good and faithful daughter, now that I can trust you to put me first, there's so much more that you have to inherit. But in order to get it, you need to take care of the debt. Now that I know that you will put the kingdom first, I will show you a glimpse of your inheritance, but you cannot be a slave to money at the same time. I need your full heart. Eliminate your distractions from me. Listen and follow me fully and embrace who you are as my daughter, as your first priority, and you will receive what is rightfully yours. It's already here. I've already bought it for you. Don't let the distractions of the earthly material things or debts keep you from me. Trust me. When have I ever let you down? There we go. So we won't bother with the video, so I'll just uh, whip past that real fast. <laughs> ah, give it up. It, yeah. She got that line, that line from the book, the movie, The Blind Side. So if you've never seen the movie, you need to watch it. It is an excellent movie. And uh, it, it's the line about uh, every housewife knows that the first thing you pay is uh, the mortgage and the second thing is the insurance. And so anyway, um, 
Yeah, fantastic. Thank you so much for that, Christy. Uh, you know, these guys, uh, guys uh, uh, have just had an incredible journey in the Lord and seen God be faithful and, and uh, just almost at every turn. And so when she sent me that, uh, in, in a, I think it was just in a text. So, and all of a sudden, I read my text one day, I'm like, look at this, you know. And I was reading it to Sherry, and she's like, that's fantastic. So uh, thank you so much. That is awesome. And we just bless you for that. And, you know, that's really uh, understanding what it is to take care of our financial responsibility. Amen? And that's what our, our tithe is. It's our, our financial responsibility. Well, today I want to talk about um, partnership. Sorry about that. Partnership with God requiring our investment. It requires investment. And, uh, you know, it's, it's our heart. It's our time. It's our finances. You know, that's what we're talking about when it comes to investment. And I'll try and be quick here this morning. I don't want to uh, drag it out too long here, maybe 10, 15 minutes, and, and I should be done. But, you know, as I said, if the tithe is taking financial responsibility, what does financial investment look like? Aren't they the same thing? And I want to talk to you this morning about financial investment. And uh, when you read the Scripture, you hear the word tithes quite a bit in Scripture, but the other thing you hear all the time is the word offerings, right? You ever notice that in Scripture? You'll hear the word offerings uh, even more time than you hear the word tithes. And there's all kinds of different offerings in Scripture. Check this out. There's, you know, burnt offerings. Uh, how many have ever made any of those? Uh, you know, there's a couple times when the cooking's been up to me that I've made burnt offerings, I can tell you that. Uh, but uh, now that the barbecue is my domain and I've mastered it, I don't do burnt offerings anymore. And uh, no matter how many times Jolie wants her steak well done, I'm still trying to bring her back from that edge, from that precipice, a little bit at a time. A little bit at a time. Burnt offerings. Um, free will offerings you'll find in Scripture. I hope that all your offerings are free will offerings. Uh, you know, Paul says in Scripture that nobody should be arm bent, you know, arm twisted into giving. It should come from your heart, right? It should be something that you do uh, gladly and joyfully from the heart. Uh, festival offerings. I, I, I found that one. I got to look that up, you know, but there were a lot of different festivals that were in the Jewish calendar, and most of them uh, had an opportunity for people to give. Uh, sin offerings. You know, uh, there was the opportunity that if you had sinned, you could come and you could make an offering to the Lord as a recognition of your sin. And every offering that was, out, that was made, every animal that was ever offered, sounds barbaric to us, but its purpose was to point to the blood of the perfect lamb that was going to come. They were all pictures of Christ who would come and would shed his blood, who would give his life, who would be a substitution for us. And so there were sin offerings, there were wave offerings, uh, fellowship offerings, uh, grain offerings, drink offerings, offerings of gold and silver or bronze, guilt offerings, uh, ordination offerings, and sacred offerings. These are all just different terms that you'll find in Scripture, and many more. There are all different types of offerings mentioned in Scripture. And uh, offerings uh, in, the, in the Scripture are found over and over and over again. In the beginning, offerings were always... Uh, burnt offerings. You see that right from the beginning in the, in the garden. And uh, they were either a burnt offering of an animal sacrifice or of grain or of some other produce. So offerings were all gifts of what was produced from the land by their hands. That's what an offering was in the beginning. Something that we produced with our hands and then we brought it to the Lord. And society was agrarian. Does everybody understand what that word means? It was it was farming. That's what everybody did. Everybody was a farmer. You lived off of the land. 
And we don't live in an agrarian culture anymore. We still benefit from farmers, but, you know, most of them have thousands of acres and they mass produce wheat and all kinds of other things and it gets sent to a plant and they process it and we go to a grocery store and buy it. Uh, not very many of us here actually are farmers anymore. Uh, you know, there's a few. Rod's a, one of the, the, the dying breed out there, but I'll tell you, there's not very many anymore that live that way. How many here were raised in farms, though? Let me see your hands. I was raised in a farm. Look at that. How many live in farms now? Look at that. One person back there. Uh, you know, it, it is pretty rare, you know, and uh, what happens is that more and more uh, of them get bought up you know, so you've got farming operations get bigger. They buy up smaller operations, and fewer and fewer people actually live on farms. And so it's, you, you'll have whole kid, generations of kids now grow up and have never actually visited a farm, never, never seen cattle, never seen pigs or chickens or any other kind of farm animal, never seen farm equipment in operation. And to me, that's kind of sad, you know, and, uh, you know, because uh, I was raised with all of that, and it was awesome. But, you know, uh, that is the type of culture we used to live in. And as culture advanced and people moved from being purely uh, agrarian, living off the land, they began to uh, accumulate in cities and communities. And so other jobs started to arise, right? You needed stonemasons and you needed blacksmiths and you needed carpenters and you needed all kinds of other trades that rose up so people could devote themselves 100% to a particular task. And as uh, communities and cities developed, these types of specific tasks arose with them. And so what ended up happening is uh, bartering systems began to rise up. Uh, you would receive so much from the farmer, and, he, and he, you would give him back so much labor or whatever, right? Does everybody follow what I'm saying? And as society moved forward, uh, that changed, and so did the type of offerings that people gave, right? Because not everybody was a farmer anymore. And uh, every time we use money today to make a purchase, we are, in essence, doing the same thing. We're still practicing a type of barter. We're... Uh, exchanging a portion of our labor, which we got paid for in currency, uh, for a product or a service, i.e. somebody else's labor. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's essentially what we're doing. We, uh, we have a currency system that allows us to exchange our labor for somebody else's labor. And, and that's the way we uh, operate as a culture. Because we have such a diversified different type of jobs that are out there, as varied as the people sitting in the seats here, that we have a system of currency that's used to exchange labor with one another. And the value of what that labor is worth is determined by the type of salaries we negotiate and all the rest of it. Does everybody follow what I'm saying? That's how our world works. And, uh, and you if you don't grasp that, it's difficult to understand uh, then how offerings shifted. But if you can grasp that, then you understand that offerings have moved along with it. So our tithes are our financial responsibility in the kingdom, but offerings are our financial investment in the kingdom. They are our investment, and we use money now to do that. I haven't had anybody bring me in a chicken or, uh, uh, you know, a bushel of grain in a long time, you know. Uh, I have had people bring me offerings of cheese. Uh, John and Deb Fuller, before they moved uh, to, to Halifax this summer, John worked at Empire Cheese, and he, he knows I have a, a passion for old cheese. So every once in a while, I'd get the offering of old cheese brought into me, and I was like, oh, John, I love you, you know. And the older, the, 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 the stronger, the more pungent, the better. Does everybody know what I'm talking about? There is nothing better than like a 12-year cheddar. I mean, oh, 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 oh. 
when I get those babies, I hide them from my kids. You know, uh, I admit it, uh, I, I hide the package, and then my wife and I will wait till they're out of the house, and we bring it out of the fridge, and we start cutting it up and eating it with crackers. Mm, 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 mm. Anyway, I don't even know how I got down that track, but hello. All right. So, do we understand then what we mean by offering? So, our tithes, when we give our tithes, that's like taking our responsibility as a partner with God and with His kingdom. But offerings is our investment. That's how we invest. That's how we, we look at, at, at the future and we say, I want to invest in this. And, and investment is important. If you're a partner in any enterprise, you have to invest. You have to invest your heart first, then you have to invest your time, and then you have to invest your finances. Any, any enterprise that you're a part of requires an immense amount, amount, an immense amount of investment. And there's no way around that. And we have to ask ourselves, am I really invested? Am I really invested? And so I got thinking about that, and I, 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 I thought to myself, you know what, if you believe, if you believe in your team, you invest. Chicago Bears socks. You know what I'm saying? If you believe in your team, you, you invest. I have lots of lease paraphernalia, right? Why? Because I believe in my team, I invest. And some of you might say, well, there's your first problem. Your beliefs have been misguided. Uh, and that is true. For 50 years, they may have been. But we're, it's a new day, is all I'm going to say. It's a new day, although the last two games have looked like the old days. But uh, uh, if, you, if you believe in your team, you invest, right? How many know what I'm talking about? You know, that's, that's not money that's re- a responsibility. You don't have any res- I don't have any financial responsibility to the Toronto Maple Leafs but I invest in them because I believe it. Do you understand what I'm saying? If you uh, believe in vacations, you invest. I never believed in vacations when we first got married. It was a little bit of, a, of a, an issue with Sherry and I because she was used to her dad taking finances and money and investing in a family vacation. And every year, he would work extra jobs and stuff to make money so he could invest in the family going away. Our family never did that. And I think I went on one vacation as a child my whole childhood. And I never missed it because I never knew it existed. You know what I'm saying? So, so this is not a, a pity party. I just didn't know people actually did that, right? And, uh, you know, we're living on the farm. When my dad had time off from his other job as an electrician at a, at a factory, then we just spent that time working the farm or working other types of jobs. Do you understand what I mean? And so, but if you believe in, in vacations, which I now believe in, you invest in them. And my wife and I have invested in some pretty nice vacations over the last few years. We believe in them, so we invest in them. Anybody say amen? amen. If you uh, believe in education, then you invest. You go to university, you go to co- community college or trade school, you invest in it. If you, you know, say, no, I want my kids to have a Christian school education, you in- it takes investment, Right? Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's an investment. <laughs> Tammy, has it been an investment? Like over 100 grand investment? Yeah, it, you don't want to. It'll probably scare you. Uh, but it's an investment. Amen? If you, believe, if, you're, if you believe in a political leader, it requires investment. All right? All of these things require investment. If we believe in something, we invest in it. It's as simple as that. That's how we live our lives. Right? So, what do you believe in? Is that pretty clear? If you're passionate, I thought about this, if you're passionate about fishing, you invest in it, right? Any people passionate about fishing here? You know, you want to find somebody passionate about fishing who's made a major investment in it, talk to Jeff Chisholm. He'll tell you 
all about investing in fishing. Uh, he knows what that's all about. If you're passionate about sports, you invest. You know, you, you have your kids involved in it. You have yourself involved in it. I played hockey until I was 45, and then it started taking longer to heal and so uh, from my injuries, and uh, my, my head thought the game better than my body played it, and so I, I, I kind of laid it down, right? But if you're passionate about sports, then you invest in it. You invest your time. You invest your heart. You invest your money. If you're passionate about your home, you invest. Some people aren't passionate about their home. It's like, it's a roof over my head. I don't care. You know, it doesn't matter to me what it looks like. I don't give a rip. Other people are really passionate about their home. It has to be really neat, and it has to be clean, and we have to have, you know, all the different things going, and potpourri burning, and all that other kind of stuff, you know? Uh, it all depends on what you're passionate about. If you're passionate about your home decor, then you're going to invest. Yes, home decor. Home sense. Every time we go uptown, we have to go to home sense. I have learned where all the things are in the aisles of HomeSense. And in all the time we've been going to HomeSense, I bought one thing there, and I thought it was really cool. And most people would think it's really weird and nerdy. But it's a, it's a, it's a, it looks like an old book, and it sits on your desk, and you open it up, and it's hollow, and you can put all your papers that are on your desk inside it so it doesn't look cluttered anymore. It was cool. And on the outside, it said, making plans to take over the world if I'm not too tired. So that was, I thought that was pretty cool. So I bought that. That sits on my desk at home. That's my one single purchase from HomeSense. But, uh, you know, if you're into home decor stuff, man, if you're passionate about that, you're going to invest. If you're passionate about food, you're going to invest. I'm passionate about food. There is nothing better than a nice prime rib or a... Oh, T-bone or, oh, you know, and you just, uh, not well done, new, no, never well done. I mean, do you know what I'm saying? Uh, if you're passionate about food, can anybody here passionate about food, can you relate to what I'm talking about? Guess what you do? You invest in it, right? You invest in it. We, you buy a gas barbecue because you want it cooked over an open flame. You, you know, you and people buy convection ovens and they buy, you know, different types of cooking utensils. My wife has a bunch of different things for making different stuff. What was that one blender thing you bought? A Vitamix. I'm like, what is that? It, it's just a blender. It's not just a blender. I, I got the lecture on that. It's not just a blender. Oh, okay, okay. It's not just a blender but it was like five or 600 bucks. It's like, that's an expensive blender. It's not a blender. Okay, so whatever. And then she got this machine that all it does is mix your dough. You know what I mean? Just a, like, I, I don't know. But you know what? If you're passionate about food, though, you're going to invest in it. And I like the fruit of it. I got to tell you, because I am passionate about food. So I don't mind her investing in it, because I love it. Now, one more, just for you, Mark. If you're passionate about copy, you're going to invest in it. Um, True story, I'm sitting with Dan Toner, who's the guy from Will Graham, uh, and we're up at Starbucks after he was here at town a couple weeks ago, and we're, we're, we're working there and on paperwork and stuff, and it's in the evening, and we've been there for a couple hours working on stuff for the uh, festival that's coming up. And uh, we're at the Starbucks in front of the Holiday Inn, which Mark and I have made our indoor haunt. And uh, so we go there, and Barry and I, we all, we all hang out there, right? So anyway, that we've become their staff pastors, and so we, uh, we're there all the time. So I'm sitting there drinking out of this cup, and it's, it says, you know, choose happy on the cup. And it's got a picture of a Ferris wheel. And he's drinking out of a, a, a cup from there, like a mug as well, but it's plain white. And he goes, how, how come you got like a fancy cup? And I said, oh, it's, well, it's my own cup. You have your own cup here. 
would you bring it from home? Well, I did bring one from home, but somehow it got stolen or taken home by somebody. So one of the girls here bought this one for me. And he goes, one of the girls bought you a cup. I said, it's a long story, but yes. And then he goes, how many people have their own mugs here? I said, I don't know. I said, hey, Thomas. One of the, I said, he goes, yeah. And I said, how many people have their own mugs here? And he goes, you mean counting you and Mark? And I said, yeah. And he goes, nobody, just the staff. So, <laughs> so that tells you how invested we are uh, in this place, you know, because we love coffee. And for me, you know, I was 17 years with medically not drinking coffee. Now that I'm drinking coffee and the Lord has undertaken in my life, Hallelujah. So, you know, if you're passionate about it, you're going to invest in it. It's going to take investment. Does everybody understand what I'm saying? All right. Now, finally, if you love something, right, if you believe in something, you'll invest. If you're passionate, you'll invest. If you love something, you'll invest. If you love your car, come on, am I talking to anybody here? You invest, right? You invest. My neighbor has a 2017 Corvette. And I can't remember the model of it, but he invests a lot of heart, time, and money into his Corvette. It is right up there at the top for him. And it's beautiful, and it's got this nice rumbly exhaust. And as soon as he fires it up in his garage, I can hear it in my house. I know he's backing out the driveway. And then I don't think he ever drives it over 50 kilometers an hour, but it's just, it is an impressive piece of machinery. If you are, love your car, you'll invest. If you love your hobby, you're going to invest. If you love entertainment, I know some people, they got to go to the movies and they got to do this and they got, they got to be entertained all the time and the investment is high. They're going to invest. If you uh, love your sports, you're going to invest. If you love your spouse, you'll invest. Amen? Amen? You know, I heard a new one this week. Mark shared it with me. Uh, I always say happy wife, but he said happy spouse happy house. I'd not heard that one before. I went, hey, that's good. Did you hear that, dear? So you have to keep me happy too. Happy spouse, happy house. That's the, I, I like that. That's, you know, two-way street. Amen? I said, that's good. That works for me. You know, your spouse, you need to invest. If you love your children, you'll invest, right? Come on. If you believe in something, you invest. If you're passionate about something, you invest. If you love something, you invest. You invest. You don't just do what's obligated. You invest. I mean, I'm obligated by law to put a roof over my kid's head or to put food in their stomach, right? To make sure they get to school or get an education. Those are, we have child protection laws that exist in our country. But how many know? How many, you, know, you don't just do what your responsibility is with your children, right? We invest. We invest, and you know what? And the thing I'm learning as my kids get older, you never stop investing. It's like investment is a continuous, ongoing process. And then you get to invest in your grandkids, which, by the way, is even more exciting than investing in your children. It's awesome. It's like a whole new level of investment. But you do it because you love them. Are you hearing me this morning? All right. Am I making any sense here yet today? So what's that got to do with what we're talking about today? If you love God, you'll invest. If you love God, you'll invest. I have people that literally make, try to come to me and argue me out of tithing. I'm like, really? You know, we should only be practicing Christian giving. And I said, really? Well, what is that? Can you explain that to me? And uh, I said, because every, everything I read in the New Testament, uh, Christian giving, is way beyond tithing. 
God just had tithing as a system to take care of the things in the house of God. And they carried it over into the New Testament. But if you want to talk Christian giving, it's tithe, smythe. Right? Are you hearing me? If you love God, you invest. My life is invested in the kingdom. It's invested. I love God. I'm just willing to, I'm all in. I'm all in. And I've been all in since the day I said yes to Jesus. I'm just being honest with you. I've had, I've had days when God and I have had arguments. Anybody ever have any of those before? I've said, Lord, I do not like the way this is turning out. You and I have to have a talk. And we've had talks about things. But my, my belief, my love for him has never changed. And I'm thankful that his love for me has never changed. Because there's probably times when he's the one knocking on my door and going, we need to have a talk. You know, uh, Kevin, you know that thing? Yeah, yeah, I know, Lord. Not good. Let's talk about that. Do you understand what I'm saying? We've had many talks. But I love God, so I invest. I'm, are you passionate about his bride? If you are, you invest. What's his bride? It's the church. I'm, invest, I, I'm invested in the church. I've given my life to the church. I've invested my heart. And, uh, you know, yesterday I was down here uh, at the church, uh, taking down a ladder, going in the attic, checking traps for, for critters, you know, that we've had to set because we can't get rid of them. You know, I was walking around the building. I, I, I noticed that the, the critters had knocked down our soffit and had blown, there was insulation all the parking lot. So I'm out there, I'm picking up insulation off a parking lot. Why? Because uh, I'm, just not, I'm not just here because I get paid to be here. I'm passionate about God's church. I'm passionate about his people. I, I love his people. I like to be with his people. I vacation with his people. I spend time with his people. I'm, I'm invested in his people. Do you understand what I'm saying? And, and, you know, so if you're passionate about his bride, you're going to invest. You know, you're going to invest. And if you believe in his kingdom, then you're going to invest. If you love, if you're passionate, if you believe. And so for me... It, when people ask about offerings, offerings are just a reflection of what's in your heart and where you choose to invest your life. That's what it is. There are many times my wife and I, we, uh, we don't eat out and we don't do this and we don't do that because we've just given away too much money this month. We've made investments and the investments are eternal. The investments are, for us, more important than anything else. So we invest. That's what investment is. We love to bless people. We love to bless people. And the Bible says, give, and it will come back to you. Pressed out and shaken together, running over, he'll pour it into your lap. Well, that's talking about forgiveness. Yes, directly it is, but guess what? I think it applies to pretty much, it's a principle. I think it applies to pretty much everything. Amen? Just for those who are going to come after me afterwards and say, you took that out of context. Just say, I know the context. All right. Let me just conclude with a scripture. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 and 20. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. This is a powerful passage of scripture. This is where we're supposed to invest. We're supposed to invest in his kingdom. Jesus is telling us directly, this is what we should do. And then, he, you know what? But there's another verse at the end of this, verse 21. And this is what it says. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And uh, I like flipping it around. Where your heart is, 
there your treasure will be also. They're both true. I think that your finances follows your uh, heart just as your heart follows your finances. And, uh, you know, the reality is if you want to find out where someone's passionate, what they're really passionate about, all you have to do is look at their checkbook or their bank account. It tells the story. Say whatever you want. Say, oh, money is not that important. You're right. I, I think money is probably one of the least important things in my life. But it's a powerful tool, and it's a powerful testimony. I look at my bank statements. I look at my in, investment statements. I look at those things, and I can tell you that they reflect where our heart is. If you want to know where my wife and I's heart is, we can show you anytime where our heart is, and we can show you what is valuable to us. What's valuable to us. And you'll find kingdom things are very valuable to us. Very, very valuable. And we invest it in the best soil that we can. The best that we can. It's important to us. It's valuable to us. It's where we believe in. It's what we're passionate about. And, and, it's where we're going to invest for the rest of our lives. Because it comes from our heart. Are you hearing me this morning? If you believe in something, if you love something, if you're passionate about something, you're going to invest in it. And that's what offerings are. The way we invest nowadays is we can invest with our time. That's true. That's still tangible. And you can come down here and there's, if anyone wants to invest some time, we've got a lot of projects to do around here. And I'm always thankful for the people that come and invest their time. I mean, if you look around here and anything you see in this, this used to be a lumber store, okay? And we have slowly over the years, as if we've had the time and we've had the finances, we have converted it from a lumber store to, to the house of the Lord. And so from the foyer to the kids' rooms to the sanctuary to the new nursery that uh, we just had completed by the Leakers and the Ashleys, or they're just fantastic. Uh, I'm telling you, all of that, just, that's investment of the heart and of time. But, you know, the, the main way we work as a society is we work by money. People say, why do you talk about money? Well, because there, there, there's just no other way to operate. I mean, you guys might like getting paid in chickens, but I think most of you prefer to be paid in cash. I mean, we could try going back to that system and see how it works, but you might get tired of eating chicken. I don't know. But, uh, you know, uh, uh, or you could have a barrel of grain dropped off at your house for the last project you just did, or, or you know, uh, how, many, how many hours you put in a shift as a police officer, but, you know, you, you finish, and then at the end of your shift, they, they, they give you a, a few T-bone steaks and say, thanks, good job. You know, it probably isn't going to work that well because you've got all kinds of diversified places that you've got to make these things work. Uh, and just a few steaks and a bushel of grains, not probably going to do it. Now we know what I'm talking about. So this is the way we work. And so that's the way we work in the house of the Lord too. And if you study the scripture, you find by the time you get to the New Testament, where we're, they were living in a lot less of a, an agrarian culture, and they were living in a, uh, a civilized um, city culture, the Industrial Revolution coming many years later, all the rest of it, let's face it, that's how culture began to shift. And by the time of Christ... They were, their offerings were not wheat and grain, they were money, right? And Jesus talked about that often. And he talked about the woman who brought in her might and how she gave more than anyone else because she gave all that she had, right? Money, that's how it worked. And Jesus talked more about money in the scripture than he did about heaven or hell. Why? Because he knew that's what we operated by. And he knew nothing had a tighter grip on people's hearts than money. So I want to tell you this morning, if you want to invest, if you want to invest your life, Invest in the things that are eternal. Find, uh, you know, places of, of opportunity. And that's one of the reasons why we're starting a thing called Kingdom Builders, so that we can give you opportunity to invest. 
we think that we present pretty good opportunities for you to invest. And we've vetted people, we've worked with people, we know who they are, we know what they bring to the table, and we encourage you to give to people like Bennett and Carlos and Luisa and the Baileys in the Philippines because those are good investments. Those are good soil. And we do that work and we make those connections so that you have a place to invest. And as we invest in those and we also invest in our own community and our own church, we believe in investing in this church because we think it's a good church. We think it's good people here. Amen? So we encourage you to invest. And we got projects we need to do around here. I don't know if you've noticed, but our sanctuary is not the prettiest one in the city. Just saying. I'm just being honest here. Katrina obviously agrees, you know. <laughs> you know, our kitchen, as I guarantee, probably the worst one in the city in, in a church. There are some things we need to address here. And Kingdom Builders is about addressing some of those things as well. It's an opportunity for us to invest in the kingdom. Amen? So we're going to be having a, a Kingdom Builders a banquet uh, it's on, I think, the 29th of November, and it's coming up real quick. And uh, we'll be in touch with some of you. I, some people have already come forward, said they'd like to help sponsor tables, and uh, we're going to have a dessert night, and we're going to talk to you about projects that we believe God has for us to tackle in the next year, and we want to get those things done. So enough about that today. I'm, I know I'm way over talking about this, but my goodness, I'm passionate about it. Let's stand together. We're going to close in prayer uh, before the kids come in and run us over in here. Wow. Father, we just thank you today. It is a beautiful day, nice and crisp and cool. And we thank you, Father, for the changing seasons. We thank you, Lord, for the changing seasons, even in our own house, and our own lives. And Father, we look at those things and we recognize that, God, they're all part of life. And as there are cycles, even in the house of God, it's part of life. But Lord, the, the responsibility and the investment uh, those things are always there with us, and we take them very seriously. And Father, we ask today that you would reveal to us what you have for us to do in terms of taking responsibility, like we talked about in Thanksgiving Sunday, with our, our, our ties, with that ownership uh, as a partner in the kingdom of God, and also that you would just speak to us about where we're investing, Father. Lord, may it be bigger than ourselves. May it be bigger than just what our world is or our family's world is. Let it be bigger, Father, so that we make a change that lasts for eternity. And Father, we thank you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.